Welcome to In Search of Wisdom, a podcast by the Perennial Leader Project. In this episode, my guest is Simon Drew from the Walled Garden Philosophical Society. As many of you know, Simon is a friend, poet, musician, philosopher, and someone deeply interested in life's questions. Today's episode is part three of a series called Living the Questions. The title is inspired by the poet Rainer Maria Rilke's popular quote, Live the Questions for Now. Perhaps then, without even noticing it, you will gradually come on some far-off day to live your way into the answer. In part one of the series, we discussed what it means to live the questions. Part two, We had a conversation on how to live, and then today, in part three, we're discussing the question, what is wisdom? In the conversation, we chat about how to think about wisdom, the role of views and beliefs, trusting our own inner wisdom, embodying a philosophy of life, being a friend to ourselves, wisdom practices, and so much more. So without any further delay, please welcome back to the show, the wise and gracious Simon Drew. But in the way of this, what is wisdom question? I know you and I have, have done, you know, obviously tons of, of podcast episodes and conversations, but I thought a, a good place to start might be the, uh, definition that shows up for the Stoics in uh, Diogenes of Laertes, this this idea of um, knowing what is good, being, being virtue, knowing what is bad, vice, and then knowing what is indifferent. Hmm. I, I have lots of respect for that succinct, <laughs> clear uh, definition in a way. And I don't know, I was thinking, obviously the, the last time we connected, we talked about how to live and it's many things and what is wisdom is, is many things. And even with that definition, sometimes I think when I try to put this into practice in daily life, it's still a bit more challenging than, you know, it initially comes, comes off. But I, I do think that's such a good starting point, knowing what is good, knowing what is bad, and knowing what is indifferent. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's it's a really interesting idea that I think um, I think it lends itself to the 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 often kind of cited by the Stoics this idea that the wise man or woman you know, desires the same things and avoids the same things. It's almost like there's this point that they get to, you know, when you know what is good, what is bad, what is indifferent, you know, what is virtue, what is vice. um, There's like a, okay, I'm just, now I can rest (laughs) because I know, you know what I mean? Like the chaos of life 
uh, is almost put at bay because you know what it is that you'll accept and what you won't and, you know, and what really doesn't make a difference. I just wonder how, like, in even that in itself, and perhaps we get glimpses of this at times, it seems like uh, a kind of equanimity amid the the real, genuine uh, suffering and chaos of our thoughts and life in general. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, ultimately, philosophy is about kind of like psychological repair, <laughs> right, or spiritual repair, you know, like trying to get us to the point where we can see clearly, feel clearly, know clearly, you know, uh, and to the extent, I guess, the, to the Stoics, like it's to the extent that you know what is right, what is wrong, and what doesn't make a difference, that's what's going to bring that level of kind of clarity to, to, to your life and your decision-making process. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Makes me think as, as you're talking... I wonder if we all have different degrees of, I want to say belief in this, like say, just take one piece of it, knowing what is indifferent, like depending on what the situation is or what the issue is. It's like, as you, as you speak of that consistency thing, which I love how Seneca talks about in a, a couple different letters on you know, it's this obviously consistency thing. You know, it's every time where I'm not necessarily consistent. <laughs> there are times when I, you know, know what is in, indifferent with some clarity. And then there are other times there's things that essentially I know are in this category of an indifferent. But my actions <laughs> aren't lining up, you know, with with that. Um, and in, like, even the knowing what is good, like it's, it's really, it's just about virtue for, for the Stoics anyway, you know, this focus, like virtue is the only good. I think that with many things in life, at least something I, I think about is in the way of our, our belief or our, you know, how deeply do I believe in that? And I think in, in some ways that connects with the consistency, consistency thing. It's like as we're cultivating something um, and then like Seneca talking about that, like I'm assuming he's talking about someone that is far down the path that has, you know, been at this thing for, for many decades. But I don't know. How do you think about this, this idea of, well, how deeply do you, do you actually believe that? Yeah, well, you're talking to a tormented soul here. I mean, I get it. <laughs> it's like, you, seriously, man. I mean, like, yeah, every day it's like we're just we're faced with this deluge of of problems to solve and questions to answer. And you know, the more and more responsibility you take in your life for you know for for your own actions and for the lives of others and 
you know, uh, you know, you can imagine, well, I mean, you don't have to imagine, but you know, I, I don't have kids yet, but you know, you, you've got kids and it's like, um, not only do you probably wrestle with this idea, well, hang on, is my kid really an indifferent, (laughs) like, like, or, or, or like, you know, um, uh, is it true what they say that we should kind of like let, if, if a child dies, you know, you let them go back to the universe from whence they came to, you know, the, you, you were always just borrowing the, you know, it's, 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 it's so difficult to believe in something like that. And then you have to contend with, well, I can never tell my wife that, <laughs> you, you know, like, you know, I can, I can, I can never um, air these kinds of thoughts about, well, you know, uh, we've got to act like they're going to die every night. You know, that, that, Anyway, I'm rambling right now, but but there's so much that we have to think about that I think you're right. It's like only the sage <laughs> has has gotten to that point, and and I think that people do come along every so often who truly believe these things to such a degree that they that they do not desire, you know, and they and they find they find peace, they find that kind of, that space that the Stoics were looking for where they move toward the same things, they avoid the same things, you know. Um, but I think I think belief is perhaps the right way of looking at it. And, and actually, I, I wonder if I can share a couple of quotes here. Because I was also interested in, you know, the, the the tradition of like how you get to wisdom, right? And and that's why I think the belief is an appropriate term because there's a couple of quote, quotes here. There's there's a passage from James in the Bible, which was, you know, not in any sort of bad way, but it was drilled into me as a kid, you know, growing up in church. There's this passage that. I, I I vividly remember learning about. Um, and then there's a, a passage from Heraclitus that I want to read. And both of them have very kind of complementary, uh, they, they, they complement each other in terms of uh, giving us a way to receive wisdom. So Heraclitus said, applicants for wisdom do what I have done inquire within you know and then we read in james in the bible if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask of god who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him but let him ask in faith perhaps the belief element coming in with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And um, I actually don't think that that was the King James version, which I much, much prefer, but nonetheless, uh, for me, both of these passages are saying a similar kind of thing. It's like, give yourself space for deep meditation or prayer or inner inquiry you know, quiet the mind and really like fully with every part of yourself, you know, ask what 
is wisdom, you know, in this particular situation. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've come across, you know, people who that's their daily practice is to find, to open up that space in their day where they can look to the day ahead and really just go, you know, no external stimulus other than perhaps maybe they're reading the Bible a little bit or they're, you know, they're getting some sort of doing a meditation, but, but ultimately it's aimed towards uh, carving out a space in your day to cultivate wisdom for your life. And, uh, I think that's a really strange thing, right? <laughs> like, isn't that a, it, it seems to me to be like a real, like you don't see any other, like, uh, uh, creatures of the earth, <laughs> but carving out a space in their day to cultivate, uh, uh, you know, better, better decision-making processes, or how can I have greater, you know, the concept isn't even there. But for us, we have this ability to like quiet the mind and allow messages to become part of us through this process of like opening up space, allow it to come in, and then we act on it throughout our day. Um, and I just think, yeah, to, in, in, especially in today's culture, where it's all about noise, it's there's clutter, there's so much to do, people are struggling, you know, do we even have the time, the space in our day to be able to carve out that time to pursue wisdom? I think I think, you know, busyness and and you know, just the constant rush of life is almost the enemy of wisdom because it doesn't give us the space to actually pause and say, hang on, like what's a better way anyway I'm, I'm going off on a on a big halftime speech here i feel but, <laughs> but what, what do you yeah what um, do you think of that it is interesting like i i think we touched on it last time we connected in the way of how to live we kind of know generally you know i mean there's we, we have some inner wisdom to maybe know, but there's just a lot of things that get in the way. And I wonder if that, you know, connects here, like in the way of, um, like maybe we have more wisdom than we realize. Hmm. I I, I sometimes think of um, like, say, self-improvement or you know self-help or you know whatever it may be someone over a few years you know reads a stack of stack of books like you do and 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 i do you know and and many many of the listeners do as well but is is there any sort of self-improvement really i mean is that really self improvement um i mean if you look at what the stoics are talking about knowing what is good what's bad knowing what's indifferent i mean essentially it's not that much different than uh what they're teaching on sesame street <laughs> i mean in a, you yeah, know or yeah, what yeah. or what mr rogers 
you know, was, was talking about when, when I was a kid, it's, it's not a huge um, thing. Or if you think of uh, like the golden rule or something like that, you know, generally we, we know when, when I recently went on, uh, on vacation, I brought uh, C.S. Lewis's mere Christianity with me Mm. and, and didn't get all the way through it, but he talks about this law of, um, I don't know if he exactly calls it a law of human nature, but essentially we all generally know what is, what is good. That, that, that feels true to me that we, we generally know. Cause like I have, I have kids, uh, like you say, that are, um, younger and kids generally know when something is not fair or, or when someone is was unkind they know it at a very young age i mean it's almost like hardwired in them in a, in a way that we're supposed to be kind and work in some sort of harmony now of course they're also you know delivering some of that you know, unkind and, and selfish type of stuff as, as well at times. But the fact that we can identify it and it kind of ruffles our feathers, I don't know, makes it think mm-hmm. like, you know, think that we, that we know. And if, uh, <laughs> to, to go on a ramble here and, and bring like Seneca back in <laughs> that question of, uh, you know, progress towards wisdom yeah, I, I think I have made some progress. I, I'm being a bit kinder to myself. You know, mm. is there anything like, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what's so, <laughs> it's uh, not necessarily uh, crazy complicated in in one aspect of it. Mm. Mm. But then it is at the same time in some ways. Yeah. Well, no, I think, I think you're right. I think, you know, um, to bring that idea of belief back into it. Well, firstly, you're reminding me of a Dan Carlin bit. Did you ever watch Dan Carlin much? Yeah. Yeah. He has that great bit where he's going through all of the people who ought to be killed. <laughs> and he's, he's like, he's talking about, here's another bunch of low lives who ought to be taken <laughs> into the woods and buried 10 foot deep, you know? And, uh, and he talks about these people who read self help books if you need self-help, why do you need a book? It's not self-help. I mean, it's like, that's somebody else, somebody else helping. <laughs> but, you know, uh, to this, to this idea of, uh, just the inherent wisdom that we all have, right. I think we've all come across a person who gives the best life advice even though you know that their life is going terribly for them and everybody around them. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, the person who gives you unsolicited advice and you're like, Oh man, I know you, <laughs> you know, but nonetheless, we, we seem to be able to draw, you know, from our life experience, wisdom, everybody has it, you know, everybody can, can tell you, you know, about how to, how to be better, how to be stronger and wiser and everything like that. But maybe back to your question of belief, I wonder if it's, you know, do we actually fully with every part of ourselves believe that to take the actions 
of that armchair advice that we give everybody else would actually lead to a better life. I've got a great example. I mean, like I, I went to Walmart this morning, had to get a couple of things before I came here to record this with you. I went in and what do they have there right at the front? You know, they've got my favorite thing in the world, which is their 74 cent fruit pies. <laughs> it's like my favorite thing in the world. A pecan pie for like 74 cents. That's just a no brainer, right? <laughs> like what, what are we talking about? Give me 10 of them, you know, and I could have given the wise advice. If some, if I had like a, a little kid there and he's like, hey, what food should I buy? So I'd be like, go for the apple, go for the banana, you know, get, get yourself like a, I, I don't know what, you know, I could have told him that. But like Alan Watts says, I wanted the goodie, right? <laughs> I was in a, a consciousness of childishness, you know, like I, 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 I and, and so I went for it and I was eating that pie on my way here. And it's like not even 9 a.m. and here I am having this little fruit pie, you know, not the wisest of decisions. Um, but I wanted the goodie. In that moment, I clearly didn't believe that the wise choice was going to lead to greater satisfaction and happiness. I believed that that choice was going to give me the happiness in that moment. And it did. And that's fine. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, because don't you think it's, it's, it's always going to be about like, that balance because even making that decision then you can i don't know you can justify it by you know well okay it's not too bad i feel pretty healthy and well you know as long as it's not all the time maybe you can have one pie a day <laughs> you know <laughs> as long as i have an apple too but yeah it's just i, I think yeah it's just funny because i recognize that totally because i make a whole bunch of terrible decisions and and that just shows that I don't fully believe that the advice that I would give everybody else, you know, in that moment would bring me greater satisfaction in life. And um, I think that's why there, there's always like in philosophy, there's always like a, a wrestling constantly because, well, just one side note here that I think relates you mentioned Diogenes, uh, his his uh, exploration of the Stoic definition of wisdom. <clears throat> he has another he has another another definition that he gives uh, in the lives of the of the philosophers, um, and that other definition is a knowledge of things human and divine, right? And I think that's like a really profound thing to meditate on because you know, the Stoics, they talk about how the soul should have dominion over the body. Uh, it's like the, 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 the spirit that endows, you know, kind of inanimate matter with, with some sort of motion, you know, and, and, and like the, the body is just, to me, it seems like in that moment, I was going with the desires of the body to get that pie. My soul was like, all right, body, let's go. You, you, you know, your chemistry is all turned on. You really want that, you know, you want that sugar, you want that hit. Right. But the body, the, the, the soul in that moment just didn't have the strength to say, no wisdom, you know, like let's, let's do something different. And, and so I, I think that for the Stoics and, and perhaps we all recognize this, like the philosophical path is just this like wrestling to get 
your decision-making faculties to the point where they can comfortably make the better choice. Like it's almost like we're trying to increase our batting average, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know sometimes our batting average is pretty terrible. Sometimes we build it up, but it's always going to be that wrestling and um, and that's I think that I think is why that statement you mentioned from Seneca is so wise. You know, I've I've worked with like a lot of men in particular through my mentoring practice and by far the most valuable thing that like the, the changes that I've seen in people have disproportionately come from that wisdom of like, Hey man, Epictetus said, uh, self-improvement has to be a balance of self, uh, criticism and self kindness. And I think especially for men, when we learn that, we're like, oh my gosh, wait, so I don't have to beat myself up constantly because every day I get a pecan pie from what you know, you know, and I'm not saying I do that every day, but the the point remains, like, I think that in itself is such a, a balancing principle because it gives us the permission and the strength to keep on going on the philosophical path despite the fact that in that constant wrestling uh, perhaps between the world of the divine where we make all the best decisions and we give the best advice and the world of the body, you you know, um, or the human world that we exist in, you know, which is chaotic at times and difficult. Like it's so difficult to walk that philosophical path and that wrestling constantly. And so kindness, self-forgiveness, being a friend to yourself, almost balances out the constant torment of why do I, why do I make these decisions and how can I make better decisions? Um, I'll throw it over to you. Cause I, yeah, I've, I've, I've rambled. Yeah. I want to, I want to make an Epicurean case for the 74 cent pecan pie. If I could. Yes, please do. <laughs> what did he say? Uh, Give me a wheel of cheese in a garden and I'm happy. Like, for me, that's yeah. give me a seventy-four cent pie and a gun. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, it's so funny to me. Like around the the same time, these rival philosophical schools, you know, virtue is the only only good, like the the bumper sticker, if you will, or on on the sign. And then over here, the Epicureans who, you know, Seneca's quoting a, a fair fair bit in many of the letters, pleasure is the only good. But it's it's not so much how we maybe think about pleasure today. Maybe we think about it, you know, different than mm. they did a couple millennia ago. But the, the three, I made a note of the three inscriptions at the uh, Temple of Apollo, this know thyself, nothing to excess, and certainty, brings insanity but this thing of nothing to excess or even like like in our in our mind like this thing of uh you know critical of ourselves being kind to ourselves you think of music like i mean you like art or even sometimes like we might feel guilty for like watching netflix or something like that which is essentially our art. I mean, these are people that are, I mean, maybe there's different levels of, uh, of that, but I mean, there's beautiful things that you can watch 
on your TV. Like 2,000 years ago, people went and watched things like that live, you know, in these in these plays. Um, and I, I'm sure that exists in, you know, in some parts, but it's not necessarily in, in every town where you can do something like that. But of course, if it's not to excess, of course, those are those are good. I've been watching some of these uh, cooking shows lately. I mean, these just unbelievably talented people, you know, like some of the best chefs in the world that in 20 minutes can do just this amazing meal. That should be appreciated. Like that, there is, I think there there has to be some sort of wisdom in appreciating that. Maybe you can obviously and should remind yourself that I don't need this 74 cent whatever. I don't, you know, need to to stop by the uh, the, the art gallery or, or listen to music. You don't necessarily need to, but it seems like there is in this what is wisdom that there is a lot of wisdom in like really appreciating your your life now i'm laughing because i'm thinking about mm. the poem you read uh last time we connected bukowski he says uh <laughs> you can open a can of sardines with style or something like yeah, that yeah. <laughs> you know and i mean to me it, it seems like you know how do we appreciate some of these things not to excess, not to the point of where we feel like this is something we have to have, but to have a deep appreciation for some of these things has to be connected with wisdom, I think, and the the art of living type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, firstly, I'm deeply uncomfortable with you equating a 74 cent pie from Walmart with going to an art gallery and listening to great music. Okay, can we <laughs> That's out of balance, my friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I think I think you're exactly right. Like that idea of um, uh, how how the little little pleasures that we get from uh, you know, the, the imbalance pleasure. You know, uh, I think back to Sunday dinners with my family back in Australia, and you know, we'd always have this uh, this phenomenal cheese platter you know mom mom just loves putting together a cheese platter before dinner oh it's a family favorite you know and oh man the way that she puts it together is virtue right it's like like it looks great there's a variety of cheeses crackers you know it's all it's all you know and i don't mean to be you know there's this there's a lot of problems in the world here we are talking about cheese platters i hope there's a point to this you know and and that's like that, that to me it's like beautiful it's artistry it's it's good good cooking it's good preparation everything and it comes down to the table and we're enjoying ourselves as a family and, and you know it's it, it brings us together conversation all this sort of stuff it's so beautiful uh, and 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 that is you know a kind of pleasure in balance nonetheless uh what usually happens is uh by the time we get to dinner we've eaten so much cheese <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yeah so that's a lack of virtue that's a lack of balance right because what would be yeah. ideal is if and and some people in the family like my wife jen you know she's she's uh more in balance than than others when it comes to food and so she'll eat a little bit you know and it'll just be perfect and dinner dinner comes and it's all good but you know it's like 
the, these these chain of events where like at any moment it could go off the rails with you know a lack of balance um but yeah even uh yeah this this the, along the, the lines of like that kind of i know we're not necessarily talking about uh virtue here we're talking about uh, wisdom but um I was at Disneyland the other day and I'm walking around and something finally kind of hit me there. I'm I'm not usually a a fan of theme parks and carnivals and all this sort of stuff. And it'll, yeah, it's not, it's not really my scene, but something did hit me there. I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. I think I kind of get it. What Disney was going for with this place, because if you had to think in your mind, like, What's the ideal society? Let's say you live in a town and you're trying to think of the ways that you want to improve your town. If I was walking through town, what would make it the just the happiest, most virtuous, beautiful place to be? You know, there would be live music on the corner. You know, mm-hmm. every store would be architecturally beautiful, you know, and you'd want to walk in and everything's laid out perfectly and beautifully and all these items that you're looking at are like high quality you know well built you know and you walk around and everybody's kind of you know the the place is bustling and it's rich with laughter and joy and you know people having a good time and and you know maybe you go over here and you've got some some more music or you've got some drawing or whatever you know I just looked around and I was like, oh my gosh, he's trying to create like a little picture of utopia. (laughs) Like, um, um, even though, uh, uh, sometimes you get the complete opposite (laughs) feeling. Like I want to get out of here. (laughs) This is madness. But, but still, uh, I think, uh, wisdom should lead us towards virtue. Right. And I think this kind of contemplation on, how how can every layer or level of my life every area of my life be harmonious uh you know my family i mean my individual psychology you know my family uh uh, my community my workplace you know uh how how can all of these parts just work beautifully towards some kind of balance harmony uh so that there's a sort of i think that's what we're aiming at you know both within ourselves you know within ourselves and without of ourselves it it's the same thing it's like that 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 harmonious life and that balance of everything and and to me that kind of contemplation on how can i move towards that like the highest good is the beginning of a kind of wisdom uh yeah i, I don't know i don't know maybe i'm pushing myself to some sort of limit here cuz i'm um yeah it's it's just to me that is what wisdom is leading us towards like harmony within and without.
and 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 that's why you know we we kind of we go within ourselves we contemplate you know we we find space to receive greater understanding about what it would take for us to move closer towards that highest good and maybe you know the thing of of that inner inquiry is that it all starts within like it 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 has to you have to become almost like a fountain of blessings because of your fortitude and your commitment to the project of developing wisdom. And, and so it has to start within because otherwise you become like the person who (laughs) gives everybody armchair advice, but clearly doesn't have the results in their life. And I think that, um, yeah, that's that's like the proof of wisdom, right? Is is you can tell from somebody's fruits by the fruits you will know them, and if they have those fruits, then you're more likely to listen to them. And so, yeah, it all has to start from within. And man, that's a that's a challenge. That's a struggle because we always want everybody else to be the problem and everything else to be the problem. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That <clears throat> I, I made a note as well and was contemplating that that first inscription of the three that i read the the know thyself thing which uh Mm. as you mentioned uh, heraclitus talking about this inquire within and um like there's this uh story of say say a journalist for example going to a, a monk and asking you know what what's wrong with the world and the monk, um, you know, asks, you know, who who are you? And the person responds with their their name. You know, that's that's, that's no, it's just your name. Like, who who are you? Uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a journalist, or fill in the blank with whatever. Not that's that's your profession. Who who are you? You know, and then you keep going. Like, uh, I'm a human. That's that's not. I mean, you can go through that that perennial question of who am I and uh, rattle off, you know, three or four responses. Um, but in at the end, the, the monk responds, it's uh, that's, that's the biggest problem. We don't know who we are, which is that same inscription in the way of some sort of um, knowing our ourselves. And it's, um, such a challenging thing, but I, I do think there is um, something really important in the way of that harmony that you're talking about. You know, it's like to be in harmony. God, it seems like we, we have to have some sort of clarity of who we are and how we how we fit in this whole thing. Um, and I, I'm a big fan of the, uh, Buddhist type of teaching of no self stuff, which gets complicated and all of that. But it, it, it does seem like also, as you were saying, kind of like the limits of language, when you get to a certain point, it's difficult to really put a language two things even um 
something as simple back to the first thing we said of, uh, you know, say knowing what is good. Yeah, I want to follow the cardinal virtues. Why? You know, if you if you hit that question five times with a, a why, well, you really don't. It, it's difficult to put into words. It's maybe you might maybe because I believe that you know that that is the best way to live. I believe that you know this will lead me to whatever it may be. And you could say you know belief, faith whatever it may be, but it seems like whatever we do, whether it's a particular wisdom tradition, whether it's a particular, you know, religious tradition, there is a certain, it is a faith thing. Like we don't exactly know what is going to bring us to that desired port or the highest good or, you know, fill in the blank with whatever you would want. And it seems important as well to know that I am essentially choosing, I am adopting this particular thing. So in the weird thing of the what is wisdom, like it's in a way you have to take a step, you know, you have to step forward and chart a particular uh, path that is essentially, um, I'm not going to, I don't want to overstate that where it's like requires complete faith um, because obviously we have a a body of, of wisdom and writings and philosophy and all, all that type of stuff that can, that can help us, but we don't necessarily know, you know, what that's going to lead. Like for example, that virtue of courage that we're, um, embodying of the cardinal virtues could lead us to to lose our our life, you know, and sacrifice our life for another. Yeah. Um, which, not that there's anything wrong with that, maybe that's what we're uh, called to do. But um, it's not something we're necessarily gonna gonna know. So anyway, I brought in uh, too many yeah. different <laughs> too many different things there. Um, but yeah. yeah. No, I think it's um, yeah. I mean that that faith. Uh, I'm I'm brought to mind of um, another definition of wisdom that I heard when, when I met Charles Kim, the owner of this uh, music school that I manage here. You know, he he said wisdom is prioritization, mm. and I think that there's something to that. Uh, that if you put first things first, you know. There's like a chain that you can follow, and and I think you do have to have faith to do that, especially if you're a, a person who recognizes God, you know, um, uh, it's almost like that space that you carve out for yourself, and you go within and you listen intently you know, for the spiritual person, like, I I think like it's so easy to get so reductionist about that process. Well, a thought comes, but what is that thought? Where the hell is that coming from? Really? Like, (laughs) like when you, when you carve out space and you ask a question with full faith, you know, like, Hey, I, I want to know what I should do about this situation. And then all of these ideas just start coming, you know, and maybe, maybe they're not, 
all the best ideas, but you can sift through. And, and if, if you're really aiming up, then something will come that will at least be better than what, it, what you would have done if you just kept on going with the chattering mind all day. And for the spiritual person, it's like, it's almost like God popping in saying, hello, <laughs> here you go. Like, uh, and, and I just, I wonder, you know, if, if we place that relationship with the totality, God, the oneness of everything, you know, to be able to pause and to kind of seep into that oneness from, from time to time and, you know, to try and gather a little bit of the wisdom of the universe and your, your lived experience, you know, um, and then to, to try and order your life so that the most important things come first, you know, perhaps, you know, again, perhaps for a spiritual person, it's, it's the relationship with God, you know, the, 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 the cultivation of a wise way, you know, which inevitably leads you to be a stronger, more capable, more responsible individual to be able to, uh, expand your, 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 your care, your circles of care, right? Like the Stoics talk about your circles of, uh, caretaking of, of other people. And, and perhaps then you become a vessel for this kind of wisdom so that others can go on that path as well. And, um, I just, yeah, I wonder how good life could be if we really like, you know, if we really put first things first and prioritized well and had the faith, like you talk about to go on that adventure, because what that would also mean is that, you know, it's like Jordan Peterson. He says, sit by your bed and ask yourself, what are all of the stupid things that I'm doing that I know that 20 years from now, it's going to have devastating effects if I keep on doing this every day. And every single one of us can ask that question. If we're really asking it, then we immediately get 10 answers and it just crushes. <laughs> I know, I know <laughs> I do. And it crushes me. It's like, oh my gosh, the, the, the level at which I do not live up to the standard of the philosophical path, you know, really at my core is, is painful. And if you really have faith then you take that information you say, okay, I'm going on this adventure, you know, like, and, and there is almost like a trust in God sort of thing going on there. It's like, I have to trust that if I, if, 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 if I want to become everything that I know I'm capable of, then I have to heed this advice, you know, and, and, um, it's 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 difficult because like that advice that we receive in those quiet moments is not always convenient or the thing that we want to do and we have so much mental baggage just dragging us back into the darkness maybe maybe i'm just revealing my own psychological imperfection here but it's like that's what i feel you know like that that life is a constant battle between moving toward the light you know, um, or being dragged back into the darkness. And it's like, it, it's, it's, it's not easy, you know? And, and it, and I think the knowledge of even just the knowledge of that, the knowledge of our imperfection, 
you know, it, it's almost like the knowledge of good and evil. It's just like immediately crushing right? when you realize that I'm so asleep so much of the time, even though I know as an armchair expert, you know, it's like I want to be in the light more and more often. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I think, I think it's, it's so easy just to be pulled into, uh, into that darkness and, and to not, uh, uh, to not trust that if we did those things, life would be so much better, you know? I'm, I'm struck as you're talking, uh, just how interconnected these questions can be yeah. like these, uh, you know, half a dozen questions that, that we came up with, uh, how to live last week, you know, what is wisdom and the next episode, what is love? Because, um, you know, I've, I've done a number of, of episodes. Like, as you know, I, I typically ask people this question, like, what is wisdom and like so many guests, it's it's tough to to talk about wisdom without talking about love, like for yourself, for others. Um, and I mean, essentially, like the Seneca, you know, at being being a better friend of myself you could maybe say love there, you know, um, as well. But I saw, uh, I saw, uh, a meme somewhere. It stuck with me. Um, within the last few years, it says, uh, philosophy is called the love of wisdom. And it says Christianity is the wisdom of love. And I, I do think that's, that's good of thinking like the wisdom of love as well, whether you call mm. that Christianity or not, you know, people could call it whatever, but um, there's a, I can't remember who said it. Maybe it was a St. Teresa of Avila, but she kind of railed against uh, dumb love, <laughs> you know, people that are just like all loving, but there's some sort of a lack of lack of wisdom, you know, that comes along with it. Uh, hmm. it's difficult for us to put an and between things. At least it is, you know, for me. I, I think it connects with what uh, Marcus really is like. My uh, probably my favorite quote or clearest quote: "The fruit of this life is a good character and acts for the common good." Like, man, hmm. that that and right there is really holding a bunch. You know, I I think sometimes we can think of uh, people like, say, Mother Teresa might be an example. And you think of it as just this all love, like what an amazing thing, which which absolutely um, an an amazing life of service and love to, to people in need. But there's a tremendous amount of wisdom that went along with that to essentially build this organization, this religious order. And there was many people that we don't know 
it's not like Mother Teresa was doing this like like John Rambo. <laughs> there was a a whole religious order. There was many, many people that we don't know their names, but were doing the very exact thing that Mother Teresa was doing. You know, there was many, many Mother Teresas that were, um, you know, essentially cultivating their character and doing acts for the for the common good. If you if you walk a, watch a documentary or something about their life, um, you know, waking up early, spending you know two hours in the morning in silent prayer, and then this. I mean, there was um, you know, a very structured, discipline routine that was required mm-hmm. to carry out that that mission that that lives on today hmm. I don't know, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about like wisdom and love like two wings of a bird and uh you know kind of both being needed yeah i think i think i think you're right um and and i think it's really important you brought that up because even just thinking personally about the way that I've been discussing these things today. I know that even within myself, so much of that battle is like, it's framed in this kind of adversarial, you know, like I'm struggling uphill and, you know, look at all the ways that I'm imperfect, all this sort of stuff, which is, that's fine, but it needs to be balanced out with, the the almost that alignment of love you know love god love your neighbor love yourself you know um you know just yeah yeah i want i wonder you know what that looks and feels like to be so perfectly aligned with wisdom and love yeah um on all these different levels yeah and and totally i mean like you look at the 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 flame that was lit by christ you know the this you know for for all intents and purposes like western culture's sage you know um and just the ripple effects that that led led throughout thousands of years and it's there's darkness that came from the sins of mankind, you know, but there's also so much light that came and, and so much love. Like you say, all of these people who are trying to cultivate their characters and do acts for the common good. Uh, yeah, man, it's, it's like at least the experiment is what does like, yeah, what what does wisdom look like at a, a societal level, you know, a community level? What does love look like? At a, 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 yeah, I remember driving just last Sunday, I'm driving past a church and somebody's standing out there with a sign, we're glad to see you, <laughs> you know, like, and, you know, hey, that's nice. You know, that's nice. Like, that's just, it's just, it's nice and it's good to see and, um yeah, I'm actually, I'm all, this is somewhat irrelevant probably, but I'm always very impressed with the kind of evangelists who are just happy standing in the middle of the road, you know, with their big signs, you know, hey, Christ loves you. You know, it's like, look at all these people driving past and, you know, like you're just standing there with a sign, you know, and and maybe some people get it. Hey, that's nice. That's a nice message. 
maybe some people think you're a bit of a, a, a kook, you know, um, a loony, but um, the courage to just do that, you know, I think is, is phenomenal. And I often wonder like, where do they get that kind of courage to like, just get out there with a sign and stand there and just give people a positive message for their day. You know? Yeah. I think it's, yeah. It's, uh, it's so strange. Like in, in my mind, sometimes I want to think big and I, I think this is not true for everybody, but for a lot of us, when it comes to that acts for the common good, we want to think of something big and grand it's really challenging. And, and mother Teresa would say, just simply smile. Like that's, that's, mm. a, that's a real gift. And when I drop off my, my kids every morning last year, we're obviously summer break now when we're recording this, but last year, you know, there was someone out front greeting the kids, same person every morning, smiling, waving, mm. You know, as everybody gets dropped off and it's like, God, what a, what a beautiful gift. And I don't necessarily want to make more of it than it is, but I don't want to diminish it either. It is a beautiful thing of to be able to smile and wave and welcome um, someone. In, in my town here, there's this little uh, young guy, probably high school or something like that, but uh, he's on the street corner at times just dancing and he's dancing like full of love and joy, smiling, like waving at, at, you know, kids in the car. It's at a stoplight. So sometimes you're, you know, you're stopped and stuff like that. And just like this unbelievable dancer, you know, really, really into it. Um, And it's, wow. Like that's a real, gift in a way in like obviously i think that connects with style that we were you know bukowski was talking about but it also connects with with wisdom to me like wow that's that's awesome sometimes i think about the the level of self-awareness that is probably you know required to go do that you know to to show up in a way of your authentic self for no sort of, you know, it's not like a job. This person isn't getting paid a a single dime to go do this. Uh, I'm going to go spread a bit of joy. Um, Hmm. It's, uh, I don't know. I I think there are, there are some of these small things and, you know, mother Teresa said, just, just feed one person. Um, obviously it's, it's lovely if you can feed a a million or something like that, but it's also lovely if you can just feed one person. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's just, uh, it's, it seems important to remember some of the small, you know, things and the ripple effect that they can, uh, also have. I just love that story though. The, the kid who dances, you know, I think we, we can all think of a time where we've seen somebody like that. And maybe your first response is like, hmm, that's strange, but should that be strange? Should that be weird? You know, that you find somebody like on the side of the street dancing and having a great time. It's like, it's like going back to that picture of Disneyland. You want to see people doing that. You know, you want people. Yeah. 
and you and now I'm thinking back to a conversation I recently had with Anthony Arismendi. Um, it's not on the podcast, but you know, we were talking about kind of business and life and money, things like that. And and he just said to me, you know, Simon, like money, it's just like it's energy from the sun. You know, think about it like your heart, right? Now the blood flows in and flows out. You know, like now if the heart just kept that blood there, you're gonna die, right? there needs to be like a passing through a giving, you know, as well, um, a sharing, uh, and, and, and you just think about, you know, like brilliant artists or, you know, uh, uh, altruistic business people, you know, or, uh, great philosophers or great dancers. Like you saw there, there's a kind of like, let your light so shine, you know, just let that light shine. Like the goodness that you know is within you, within your heart, you know, heart, the, the, the place of love, you know, let that love just completely shine through as fully as it can. And to the extent that you do that, you know, you'll receive what you need. That's almost like the promise, right? It's like, like, if you will just fully let go of the things that are keeping you in the darkness and, and share that light, share that goodness, that love with, with everybody around you, whether it is giving somebody a meal or having a smile, you know, uh, or dancing on the street with, with no, with no expectation necessarily of return, you know, but just to let, to let that light get out of you you know i have a feeling that the promise there is like to those who have you know more will be given to those who have not more will be taken away it's like to the extent that you give of that love and that light you know more joy will come to you and um and there's a kind of yeah symbiotic relationship with the universe and yourself there of giving and receiving um yeah. Now this has been a, been a very productive conversation. I've really enjoyed this because there's like we've gone on many winding roads, but there's like you say, there's so much interconnectedness, and we are living with the questions here. <laughs> you know, and and I just love how our conversations, Josh, like um, it, it just turns on the mind. You know, gets you thinking in different ways about these things. But man, I, I'm really grateful, really grateful for for these sorts of things to to chew on likewise and it's um you know it's the questions themselves like it is an interesting thing um a previous guest i had on eric weiner uh, who wrote socrates express great great book he says like you know a good question will grab a hold of you and won't let go (laughs) you know and it's like some of these in a way uh, in different seasons of life, uh, you know, it all all depends on uh, what maybe grabs a hold of you. But a particular question, and I thought it might be helpful as we uh, wrap up the conversation to talk a little bit about maybe practices like the the search mm-hmm. for wisdom. You, you've mentioned um, contemplation a few times throughout the conversation, but in in Buddhism, there. Um, often I think referred to as the three wisdom tools. One is listening, um, contemplating is another, and then meditation. Mm. 
So oftentimes you think of uh, maybe Buddhism and it, it's it's just um, mindfulness or just meditation, but also that that thing of of the listening, like listening to a Dharma talk or listening to a podcast like this one, hmm. that in some way can help you to maybe like reorient how you're looking or thinking about something, you know, and help you to see something in a, in a new way. I know many of your conversations, I was just, um, before we hit record, you know, telling you how much I, I look up to you as a, as a podcaster and how I, I think you're a real expert in terms of facilitating a discussion about wisdom and, and things like that, that we've been talking about. But even a, a podcast can essentially like give birth to a bit of contemplation. You know, it's like you hear something and then three days later, it's still lingering in the background in the way, you know, you're still living with the question or the idea. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I think the trap we fall into is, I know I fall into this, is thinking that the practice is listening to the podcast when the podcast might be, yeah. you know what I mean? The, the podcast might be the spark that lights a flame within you and then you've got to kindle that flame. You know, that's that's why, you know, for, for all of the benefits of the culture that we live in where you can search anything and get great results, great stimulus podcast youtube video article whatever it is anything you want you can get it but also like maybe from time to time we need to like put the headphones down you know and say hang on i've listened to what like a hundred podcasts in the last two days (laughs) like what have i learned like what how is this what am i going to take from that and actually implement in my life you know um and I think, yeah, in many ways we live in a kind of like, uh, you know, we live in this this culture where, the, you know, like content is just like this feed to cattle. <laughs> you know, it's like, and we're, we're the cattle coming up to the trough of our iPhone, you know, with, yeah, keep on giving me that stuff, you know. But in the end, even wise conversations and great podcasts and great videos can become a distraction you know, uh, you know, look at how wise I am because I listen to these podcasts. You know, how much have you implemented? Like, what do you remember? Like, what are you actually doing about it? Um, and so maybe that's one of the reasons why I don't mind taking a, <laughs> like a three-month break from the podcast. Yeah. It's like, yeah, chill out, everybody. I'll be back when, <laughs> you know, I'll be back <laughs> when, when the time is right, right? You, you know, we, we can, we, yeah, but, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, I think you're right. It's like, what, what did Jim Rohn say? You know, Jim Rohn, he talked about how um, maybe all you need is like one idea to, to unlock that that door to greater wisdom in your life. You know, maybe you've got like three of the combinations, but you just need that fourth one. And the power of like one, two, three words to just completely send you on a different direction of your life is just immense and, and, and beautiful. And, um, and so, yeah, man, let, let's keep on trying to do that, you know, with, with, and I know you do that with, with your podcasts, you know, um, 
But I, I think that's our role is just to give people not only that that information that can perhaps be that final lock combination for them to unlock a completely new direction in their lives, but just to encourage people like, yeah, develop a, a practice where you actually take these lessons and, and contemplate them further and try to really implement them. And um, otherwise what's the purpose? It's you know, just listening to stuff. Yeah. Do a whole like, bunch of speak. Yeah. Go on. I was just going to say, so well said, I think that is such an important, an important point. Um, let, let me ask one follow-up question to that. If, sure. if I, if I could, you know how you get going down a particular path and you, you've, like myself explored different things and different wisdom traditions. And, um, it, it seems like it is important to get going down a particular idea or maybe in the way of this, a particular question, like follow it a bit. You know, how do you have the patience to follow it a bit before, you know, jumping off to another question in a way, because in a, in a way we've talked about, yeah, these questions are interconnected in, in a way, but then in another way, you know, they're not, you know, and maybe it's important to stay with the, what is wisdom question for, for a while, you know, till you have a, a bit of an answer before, you know, jumping and exploring something else. And I think you could say the same thing of a particular wisdom tradition. If it's stoicism, if it's Christianity, mm. you know, how do you ensure that you, un, you know, explore that enough to, to really have some, some understanding there before you jump on to, to something new, you know, the, the patience to stay, stay with to follow your curiosity, you know, that initially got, mm. it, got some sort of search started. Yeah. I think that, that like the curiosity that you talk about is um, maybe the key word for me. Like uh, we, when you're so gripped by something that to pursue that thing is not difficult, you know, it's, mm. you, you know, and, and I think, um, I guess I lean more in the direction of uh, uh, following what my interests are, mm. you know. And when when you when you come across a particular interest that's pulling you in a direction, you know, then there's a nice flow to it where you're just you're you're pursuing something that you know you inherently are going to find value in. Um, and along the way, the contemplation comes. I'm, I'm thinking more in, in terms of, uh, well, maybe this is, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, this path of pursuing a wise life, I think it's, 
it's always best walked when the contemplation comes alongside like acts in the world, you know, whether it's developing some sort of discipline, uh, you know, pursuing some sort of venture, um, building a relationship with somebody uh, because when we're contemplating wisdom, we're always going to be contemplating how we can, how we can better pursue the things that we're pursuing in our lives or whether we need to change those aims or how we, how do we develop relationships with other people in a wise way? Like it's always got to be linked to some sort of external thing, you know, uh, that, that we're doing. And, and it's in that kind of, maybe that's the whole like knowledge of things human and divine coming into it you know we're trying to insert a little bit more of the divine into the human reality that we live in and i'm just thinking about you know the reason i came to that just just now is is because some of the more profound changes i've seen in my own personal satisfaction in life and and also in just in in my understanding of, of who I am and how I can be of better service to people have come from uh, really pursuing uh, artistic projects or, uh, you know, things like the walled garden or things like working here in, you know, Tustin music center and, you know, because these things all require require us to constantly wrestle with how could this be better, you know? And I'm thinking uh, particularly of when I started learning piano again and just the, the joy and the peace that I found from pursuing that, that discipline, but from pursuing it in a way that required me to be a philosopher first and a musician second, you know, mm. not only I'm going to sit there at the piano, but I need to think about how I'm going to learn and why I'm learning this. And, 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 you know, then, then comes the part of, you know, well, sharing this, you know, with others. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I don't, I generally, I honestly, I don't find myself to be an extremely disciplined person. I think my maybe my particular skill is identifying the areas of interest that I have that would be aligned with, you know, that, that, that would that would be probably good for me and for others, and then trying to pursue that in a way where the inevitable consequence is that I I learn more about what it is that would be better, and trying to refine. Uh, what it means to live a wise life personally, you know, and, and I think, you know, everybody should, should be pursuing wisdom in the context of relationships or disciplines or, you know, uh, projects or, you know, doing work in the world because it, it's just going to make everything better. So, yeah, I, I think, I think it is a struggle, you know, to, to really pull away and, and like, push yourself in, in a particular direction of inquiry. But I also think it's so much easier if it's something that you can recognize is 
perfectly aligned with your nature, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think I've given a clear answer at all to your question, but I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's good. And that's a, a, a great way to wrap it up. And I have to uh, key in on one, one word that you said was this uh, wrestle. And maybe that's mm-hmm. another way to think about this series. Um, wrestling with the questions, mm-hmm. uh, which is a bit of what yeah. we're doing as well. We're wrestling and, and living with them. So good stuff. I'm so grateful for uh, you taking the time and and connecting. I've uh, really enjoyed these conversations thus far and and look forward to uh, many more. Thanks, Josh. It's always a pleasure, man. Thank you for listening. I hope you found something useful. If so, I encourage you to put what you heard into practice. To learn more, visit perennialleader.com. There you'll find links to podcasts, our daily meditations, courses, and much more. Until next time, be wise and be well.